Welcome back to the Cold Seat Podcast, where the seats are cold and the takes are hot. Thank y'all for tuning in today. Um, hope you had a good holiday. Hope you uh, have something fun planned for the New Year's holiday that's coming up here in a few days. Um, but we wanted to get this episode out to y'all. We're not going to get the regular episode out this week, just pretty much because there's not much going on. Um, a couple baseball signings, but outside of that, there really hasn't been anything with without golf going on. And then just going through the season for the NHL and NBA um, with stats and standings and stuff like that. We can cover that um any week and waiting a week's not going to hurt at all um so we'll get back to that probably next week as things kind of slow down as we get geared up for the spring semester um but we did want to get out a thursday turf talk um a friday turf talk in the in the case of this week um our 18th edition so through 17 weeks of predictions brady has the three game lead in college the six game lead in nfl and the nine game lead overall with a um, correct prediction percentage of 65.4, while I'm at 62.7. Uh, we both had down weeks last week, kind of. Um, I think we both went 9-7 and seven in the NFL, and then we both went 3-2 and two in college. Um, so not great, but um, looking forward to get this one out today. A loaded episode, probably the most predictions we've ever had in one episode, just because we have well 10 bowl games. Two happened last night, although we still made predictions, so we're not going to touch on those. Um, being the Pop-Tarts and the Alamo Bowl. Um, but we are going to start, we're still going to have eight today, and then we're going to have the full 16 or 15-game slate of uh, the NFL as well. Uh, we missed Thursday Night Football last night. However, we did both correctly predict that one, um, having the Browns winning it. However, the Jets didn't cover. Um, so, yeah, I think we can kick it off here. Um, like I said, it should be a you know, more packed episodes. So we're going to try to keep it rolling through these predictions. Um, but yeah, the Sun Bowl we have tonight, or today at 1 p.m. is between 19 Oregon State and 16 Notre Dame. Not sure who's going to come out on top in this one, but I'll say um, I'm going to go with Notre Dame to win this one. I think Oregon State will cover, though. Both teams have lost a lot of dudes to the portal. Both teams um, are having new guys start in the place of those guys that left. Um, so it should be an interesting one. I think it'll still be close, but I'm going with Notre Dame to win it. Yeah, I'm taking Notre Dame as well. Oregon State to cover the six. Um, a lot of guys I'm missing on each side of the ball here uh, for both teams. Uh, I mean, DJ Uyunglele, starting quarterback, and the backup quarterback for Oregon State are both in the portal. Sam Hartman's not playing, um, opting out NFL draft, but also kind of just them wanting to see kind of what they have in the in the, in the program right now. Um, it's going to be backing up Riley Leonard next year, quarterback. So. A uh, bunch of opt-outs, um, player we wanted to watch, guy that we got to see up close, um, being an Austin native, got a Westlake in Austin, Texas. Um, Jaden Greathouse, receiver from Notre Dame, had a good freshman season, uh, came in, started right away, had a big game in his first game against Navy this year. I'm looking for him to have a good week, a good game against a solid Oregon State secondary. Um, also picking or picking Notre Dame just because coaching continuity, Jonathan Smith's gone, uh, gone at Oregon State, so curious to see kind of how that coaching staff looks, how they look. Just overall preparedness versus Notre Dame, keeping the same staff. So uh, Notre Dame wins this one, I think, and I think uh, Oregon's or Notre Dame wins. Oregon State covers rather. Uh, next one here, Mizzou taking on uh, Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl tonight at 7 p.m. Ohio State favored by five. I'm gonna take Mizzou to win. Mizzou to cover. Um, I just think Ohio State has a lot. I mean, they have a lot of guys out. I know uh, JT Tuomalo is probably their biggest name they have playing uh, from like an upperclassman standpoint, junior senior. Um, 
So looking for him to have a big game for Ohio State. But yeah, I'm gonna take Mizzou to win. Mizzou to cover. More talent is just still gonna be there. Most of their most of their high end players are either playing or are underclassmen with their quarterback and their receiver, Luther Burden. So I'm uh, gonna go with Mizzou to win, Mizzou to cover. Yeah, I agree. I like that prediction. Uh, I think Missouri's just been really consistent all year. You look at their roster and they don't have like one position that's so much better than the rest. Um, like you see in some cases on Ohio State. Uh, Grand Ohio State <clears throat> is a lot more talented across the board, but Missouri has guys that put up numbers this year. I mean, Trader, running back, Luther Burden, obviously. Um, and then, I mean, really across the board, they had good offensive line, good defensive line, um, and their secondary played pretty consistently. So I'm going to go with Missouri to win this one. Um, yeah, I mean, Ohio State's fair by five. I don't think Ohio State's going to come out on top just because um, of all the players they have have already departed um, for either the portal or the NFL. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be tough for Ohio State to win this one, I think. Moving on to another big one, uh, the Peach Bowl. is 11 Ole Miss versus 10 Penn State on the 30th at 11 a.m. Central. Uh, Penn State's fared by four and a half. I'm going to go with Penn State to win and cover. I just think um, they have better talent on that roster across the board. Ole Miss, you normally see out there in the rankings towards the end of the year. Um, without a ton of talent on that team, and it seems like Penn State just has the edge in the talent department, and I think at the end of the day, uh, they're going to come out on top and win by at least five. Yeah, I think Penn State wins. Penn State covers as well. Uh, mainly just to me, it's about the fact they've, they've got a lot of talent playing. They don't have a bunch of opt-outs. I know their left tackle, Olufashano, NFL bound, not playing today. That said, I think they've, again, they've got a lot of talent playing in this game. Um, I just think that they they have looked better against high-quality opponents this year. Um, even though they lost to Michigan, Ohio State, they played those teams pretty tough. Um, so take Michigan's or Penn State to win, Penn State to cover. Um, no popcorn player here, I guess. Um, Quinshawn Judkins running back at Ole Miss. Um, Going to be an All-American probably. Maybe like a second or maybe like an honorable mention All-American. I know he's second team All-ACC. Um, Talent-wise, he's a first team All-American. They didn't have the numbers this year he had last year, but super, super talented back. Uh, true sophomore, so he's playing tonight. Should have a big game from him. Uh, next year, the Orange Bowl. I think the bowl with maybe the most opt-outs, uh, Georgia and Florida State. Georgia favored by 19 and a half, um, down from 20, I believe, is what it was or opened at. Um, so I guess the betters are taking the extra half point on Florida State. Um, I'm taking Georgia to win, Georgia to cover the 19 and a half. They're both missing a lot of talent, but at least Georgia has their quarterback playing. That To me, that, that makes the difference. Um, Carson Beck playing. Georgia has a lot of young talent this year, a bunch of underclass talent, underclassman talent. So uh, give me Georgia to win, Georgia to cover the 20 because I just – Florida State has all of their best players that were still healthy aren't playing. Um, I think it's going to be a bloodbath tonight. I think Georgia's pissed off. I think Kirby Smart's pissed off. They've got that team ready to ready to. I mean, they're foaming at the mouth, ready to go play a football game and and whack somebody. So I'm going to go Florida or uh, Georgia to win. Georgia to cover the 19 and a half. Yeah, I agree that Georgia wins by 20 or more. I just think that uh, at the end of the day, like you said, I think Georgia more Georgia is more talented at full strength, and even with Florida State. You know, it even makes matters worse when Florida State's obviously missing their first string quarterback. Um, Jared Versa won't be playing either. So um, a lot of young guys are going to have to make a name for themselves starting this week in the Orange Bowl. Just Like I said, I think it's going to be tough uh, for Florida State to keep it competitive for all four quarters. Maybe it's close at half, but at the end of the day, I think Georgia's going to be too much on both sides of the ball um, for that game to be really that close. Moving on to, here, to a unique matchup here uh, in the Fiesta Bowl. We have 23 Liberty at eight or versus eight Oregon. Um, this is on New Year's Day at noon. 
Oregon's fared by 16 and a half. I'm going to go with Oregon to win and cover. I just don't think that Liberty has the talent to match up across the board. I mean, even if Oregon has a couple guys opt out here and there, I mean, they're still really talented and have a deep roster, really, especially offensively. Um, and their defense has come on strong as the season has progressed. So I'm going to pick in another um, big margin of victory here in the New Year's Six Bowl game. Yeah, I'm going Oregon to win, Oregon to cover, um, 16 and a half. They've got, they're one of the teams that's kind of in the top 10, top 15 that doesn't have a lot of opt-outs. Uh, Bo Nix is playing, I believe. I believe Bucky Irving's playing. I think Troy Franklin might be even playing too. So they have all that offensive talent, um, offensive firepower. And it's a Liberty team that, I mean, props to them. They made it to a New Year's Six Bowl. They're the highest ranked, you know, G5 team. But the team that they were ranked below as S- in, or ranked ahead of, just ahead of SMU is 24. They got rolled by Boston College yesterday. Not rolled, but I mean, they got beat by two scores by Boston College. It was six and six. I don't think Liberty is much better than SMU. I think Oregon's going to roll them. I don't think it'll be particularly close, um, which sucks for the G5 teams, but I think, again, Oregon's going to roll this one. The next one up here is Iowa versus Tennessee. Tennessee favored by six points. Uh, give me Iowa to win, Iowa to cover. I think the offense can get something going. Um, Tennessee, I know Joe Milton not playing, uh, going to the NFL. They want to see what they have in Nico. I am Maleva, I think is how you say his last name. Um, I haven't heard it said because he hadn't really played a lot this year, but I'd like to see him play. But again, against a a true freshman quarterback, first start against Iowa, really good defense, um, despite not having Cooper DeGene the last month of the year. um, Still a really, really talented team. Not a a bunch of opt-outs on that Iowa team either. So uh, give me Iowa to win, Iowa to cover. I'm also committing to my I hate Tennessee bit here as well. Um, They've been the most overrated team in the year, in the country, literally all year. So I'm going to commit to the bit hard at the end of the year and take Iowa to win Iowa to cover. Yeah, I like it. I'm going with Iowa as well. I mean, you see Tennessee fared by six here. Um, Iowa Iowa has a really good defense. We all know that. Um, It's kind of what's gotten them in the position that they're in. Um, A lackluster offense. I don't know how it's going to fare against really not a great Tennessee defense. Um, So the matchup to watch is definitely going to be Tennessee's offense versus Iowa's defense. How does the freshman quarterback in his first career start perform against a solid defense? Um, I mean, this game could really go either way. Also at noon on New Year's Day. Um, I'm going with Iowa, like I said, to win and um, win outright, obviously, as underdog. But I hope it's a close one. Like we said, the past few games didn't seem like they're going to be close, but hopefully that one's close. And then these last two which are the college football playoff semifinal games. Hopefully these are close. Uh, the first one to be played will be the Rose Bowl with number four Alabama and number one Michigan playing in California. New Year's Day at 4 p.m. Um, Michigan's fared by two. I'm going to go with Michigan to win and cover. This one could go either way, but I just think Michigan's more been more consistent all season. You see Alabama, they've played down to their competition a few times this year, most recently um, in the rivalry week game against Auburn, in which if they didn't hit the – Fourth and 31 for the touchdown. Um, there would be another team facing Michigan here. So I'm going to go with Michigan to cover and um, well, win by three or more. I think they're just a more talented roster. Um, like I said, they haven't had as many ups and downs, so I think they'll be ready for the challenge. Uh, this was really the you know prediction for them all year, the goal they wanted to reach, um, starting with having that number one seed, winning a couple games, winning the national championship. Uh, they've been really close the past few years their third consecutive year here in the playoffs. So I think this is a year they get it done, and it starts with a um, semifinal win against the Crimson Tide. Yeah, I'm going Michigan to win, Michigan to cover. Um, a popcorn matchup here because I want to talk about it. Um, kind of what my prediction is. 
Alabama receivers, Jermaine Burton and Isaiah Bond. Obviously, Isaiah Bond, underclassman, going back to school next year, Jermaine Burton. Uh, going to the NFL, I don't believe he has any more eligibility. Um, guy's gotten a lot of love as of late. Um, really really had a good, strong uh, late-season push. Had a good game against Texas, and then had a good kind of late-season push towards the end of the year, obviously. Bama getting through a couple wins and uh, getting into the playoff. Um, Isaiah Bond obviously caught the fourth and 31 pass. Had a really had a, again, another strong close to his year, as it feels like. Most of that Alabama offense has had a strong close close to their year. Um, going up against the, what I think is the best corner in the country in Will Johnson in Michigan. Um, the only guy to really win reps against Marvin Harrison Jr. on a consistent basis this year. Uh, Marv obviously got him more than a few times, but um, when you go back and watch the tape, played a lot of good corners this year. Marv didn't. Um, he ate them all up except for Will Johnson, who gave him some trouble at times. So I think Will Johnson's been the best corner in college, even going back to last year um, as a true freshman, as a sophomore now. And I, I would put money on him to win the Jim Thorpe Award next year. Um, so I, I really am curious to see how Jalen Miller handles, you know, one side of the of the field being taken away by Will Johnson. I um, mean, Mike Sandstrill, um, another guy who's NFL bound, really, really solid defender. Uh, it seems like Michigan always produces really, really solid slot defenders like him, even kind of reminiscent of Dax Hill from two years ago um, coming out of that Michigan defense. Obviously, different defensive coordinator as he was playing under Mike McDonald, who's now at the Ravens. But um, same same system, same scheme for the most part. Um, very similar roles these guys are playing in. And um, so I'm curious to see how, how Jalen Miller handles that. I know people were touting Georgia's like the super talented secondary. But if you actually watch the tape and they got eaten up this year by this by some you know, good, but not, you know, not incredible receiving cores this year. So um, certainly I think like I've, I've, I've echoed a lot of down year for Georgia. I think Alabama looks a little inflated right now after that win. Um, so I'm curious to see how the, both, both those receivers handle Will Johnson and how Jalen Monroe, obviously a phenomenal athlete. I think he's going to win a Heisman next year. He's too dynamic with his legs not to, I think. Um, but I just, I, I am curious to see how he handles the best defense he's seen all year. Um, just from a holistic standpoint, I know Texas is really, really good, but I think Michigan's defense is even better, especially in the back end. So very, very curious to see how he handles the, the secondary looks he's going to get. Um, and again, I, Michigan, the Michigan offense, I know J.J. McCarthy really hasn't had to do it yet. I don't think he's going to need to in this game. That offensive line should dominate. Um, again, curious to see how they, how Jalen Miller handles the different stuff that, that Alabama's going to, or uh, Michigan's going to throw at him in the back end. So, like I said, Michigan to win, Michigan to cover this one. Um, I'll let you give your thoughts on, on the kind of popcorn matchup and that general uh, kind of matchup with Alabama offense versus uh, Michigan defense, and then we can get to the next game. Yeah, like you said, it should be a good one really across the board. Um, could be our tightest bowl game of the, you know, 10 we have on the slate this week. Um, some really good matchups. I mean, first time in maybe forever that, you know, we don't think that it's going to be a wide margin of victory between the one and four. Um, in terms of what actually happens, that's different, but it still most of the time ends up in a blowout of at least 21 points uh, between the one and the four. So looking forward to a close one this week in terms of two teams that are pretty evenly matched, like you said. Um, Bama's guys have come on strong as the season's progressed. I feel like Michigan, we knew what they had coming into the year. We knew the talent they had across the board, um, where their strengths were, where their weaknesses are, were, even though there's very few. Um, whereas Bama, we didn't really know what to expect. We all thought they would bounce back this year, but they... Um, you know, started out a little slow, um, you know, came on strong, had a little down phase where, you know, for a few weeks they were playing pretty poorly um, and then got rejuvenated by that Hail Mary against Auburn, like I said. Um, so they've looked good as of late, full form, um, as you want to be this time of the year. So, um, yeah, everything's on the table. I mean, this could really go either way, but this the 
receivers, Alabama receivers versus Michigan DBs is definitely one to look for. Um, just how each unit counteracts what the other unit is doing in terms of scheming, in terms of, um, you know, spacing with the coordinators, what they want to do. Um, it should be a fun one. And then in the trenches as well um, with Dallas Turner. And I'm going to forget the other Alabama edge rushers name. Chris, Chris Braswell. Yeah. Those yeah. two guys um, versus Michigan's offensive line, who's always mm-hmm. one of the best. Uh, should be a lot of fun to watch as well. So a lot of good matchups in that one. Um, but yeah, four o'clock. Central on New Year's Day. Um, going to be a good one. And then finally, the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans um, at the Saints Stadium. Number three, Texas versus number two, Washington. Uh, basically a home game for Texas. So um, you figure it'd be pretty evenly split fan-wise, but I'm sure a lot of Texas fans overall be out be in New Orleans um, in comparison to Washington. Um, so that should help a little bit. I'm going with Texas to win and cover this as well. Texas is favored by three and a half. This is the later game on New Year's Day, so 7.45 p.m., uh, probably kickoff around 8 central time. Um, in terms of what to look for, look for the Washington offensive line versus the UT defensive line. Washington has some great players on that O-line. Um, Troy Fountain now is one of the best, uh, probably a first-round pick. And then the UT defensive line, two really, really good defensive tackles in Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. Um, across the board, in terms of an individual matchup, I don't know if we'll have that in terms of lining up across from each other consistently. Um, we may in some alignments, but for the most part, it's just going to be, you know, guys making plays w- with whoever they're lined up against. Um, I mean, with Troy being a tackle and the other two UT guys being D tackles, um, you know, they probably won't be lined up against each other a whole lot. Uh, maybe on some passing downs, we'll see, but. Other than that, I doubt we'll see it too much. Um, and then another player to watch is Roma Dunze, the receiver for Washington. Washington has the deepest wide receiving court in the country, I think. Um, they have four really good receivers. Uh, Dunze leads that unit. Um, you know, he's a great contested catch guy. And with, you know, Penix being the QB, I think that helps even more um, with his arm talent and stuff like that. Going against a UT defense, it's really solid. But frankly, their secondary hasn't been great. Um a young secondary led by uh, Muhammad. I think I really think they could be in trouble in this one just with all of the um, talent that you that Washington possesses out wide um, could give UT some issues. So they're really going to have to win the game up front. Um, you know, the front seven's going to have to have a huge game for for them to at least win that side of the ball. Yeah, I think when you look at the kind of the Utah or Utah Washington offense versus the Texas defense, they're truly going to start up front. Um, can they run the ball is, is the big one because Texas has been able to, you know, drop seven against everybody. And I know as talented as Michael Penix Jr. is a quarterback, and I think Roman Dunes is this really, really special player, really, really special receiver. Um, guys that big don't often move like he does, um, run routes after the catch, all that stuff. That said, and they've got, you know, Jalen McMillan, Jalen Polk. But if Texas can just drop seven all day and stop the run and get pressure, I worry about what – you know, how much can Utah get down the field or Utah? I keep saying Utah. I keep seeing you and I keep thinking Utah. How much can Washington get down the field? Right. That's that's been how they have won a lot of games. I mean, shoot, if I w- recently watched the Boise State tape, you all know, 22, trying to watch Rome and watch Troy Fontenot. Like they really didn't dominate that game up front like you would have thought they would. They won that game through the air. And I know that was week one. They're a lot better of a team now, obviously, but they've not been a team that has dominated every single week up front. They've They've won with deep shots. And Texas has done a really good job of keeping the top on the defense, despite having maybe not the most talented secondary in the country, 
Um, they've done a really good job keeping the top of the defense, not getting beat over top, not getting beat for shot plays. And this is this is what this Washington offense is built on: is shot plays, beating people deep, getting their getting their like you said, the deepest receiver room in the country, getting them by people. Um, so I'm super curious to see what happens there. We, I, you know, drop Romo Dunze in here is the kind of the, the one player that I think is going to mean the most for either team on either side of the ball. Um, he won their Oregon game for them the first the first go around. He had a monster game, especially in that second half. Um, he's iced he's iced multiple games from at, at this point in the year. Um, Panics kind of lobbing out for him and a lot of back shoulder throws, a lot of out routes, um, just getting the ball in Rome's and kind of Rome's vicinity. And he's catching coming at it, coming down with it, catching the ball, getting open. Uh, so I think he's a guy that if he can go out and dominate and control the game, that's that that's the way Washington wins. I'm picking Texas to win. I'm picking Washington to cover, though. And this is a game where Texas gets a stop later. They kind of go down, kick a field goal, win the game. They've had a lot of games like that this year where they've played close in the fourth quarter and defense has come up big late or they've had a, you know, Burt Auburn's been awesome for them. He's been money um, kind of since he stepped on campus there in Austin. So uh, looking for for him to have a big one. Again, the defense, I guess if you look at the other side of the ball, like you mentioned, uh, Jabbar Muhammad. Uh, second team all Pac-12 corner this year um, had some down games, but has had he he has played up and risen to the occasion uh, when it matters. I had a really good game, really good game against Washington State um, and Josh Kelly had a really really good game against Troy Franklin. Both go arounds. Um, certainly a guy that I think rises to the rises to the occasion and wants the challenge of of getting a number one. So um, Texas has two of them. It kind of depends on what you know what the scheme is they're running and what kind of play play design they want. Um, Ad Mitchell can beat you deep. He's got really, really good speed, really good long speed. I think he's the best 50-50 ball in the country other than Marvin Harrison Jr., obviously. And then, obviously, Xavier Worthy. Um, I don't know what his health is. I, I mean, I know he's going to play. I just don't know what he's going to look like on kind of a deep speed, like a long speed kind of deal if he's fully healthy. That guy's got long speed for days with anyone in the country. Um, so that's kind of what makes Texas really, really dangerous. Obviously, they've run the ball well, but when Quinn's on, getting the ball – to Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell, they've been really dangerous in the air. So, I mean, listen, Oklahoma saw it. A.D. Mitchell beat or Oklahoma, uh, Alabama saw it, or A.D. Mitchell beat him deep multiple times. Um, and he went for two scores that game. Obviously, Jatavian Sanders tied in for them, really talented. Um, so that, that's kind of, the I guess, the slept-on kind of side, mat, side of the ball matchup is that Washington defense versus Texas offense. But I really do think this game's going to be one of the trenches between the Utah or Washington offensive line and Texas defensive line. Um, this should be a great game. I, I think it's going to be really close. Like I said, I think with Texas wins and Washington covers a three and a half. So um, definitely looking forward to both these games. I think this is the first time in a long time where we've before the game said, man, these are going to be great matchups. I know last year we got two really, 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 really good games in the semifinals. But I think it, it kind of everyone looked at them and was like, man, Georgia's going to roll and Michigan's going to roll. And obviously Ohio State had a chance to win the game and walk it off against against Georgia and TCU beat you know Michigan. Obviously, we know how the title game went, but. Um, I think this is the first time in a long time where we go, yeah, I think we have you know two really good matchups here. Um, so I'm looking forward to them a lot. Definitely going to be obviously watching them, tuning in. So um, kind of bittersweet. College football is coming to an end. But, um, again, we've got a whole slate of games today and then tomorrow and the day after. So obviously we have the uh, title game coming up afterwards, which we'll hit on next week. Um, but kind of moving on. The Actually, I'll, I'll let you give some closing thoughts before we – before we jump out of here, I'll give you some closing closing thoughts on the Sugar Bowl and then anything else you wanted to add for college football. Yeah, no, like you said, both these semi games should be really fun to watch. Um, you know, back to back on New Year's Day. Doesn't get much better um in terms of level of competition and you know, level of games on my screen. Um should be at an all time high. Um in terms of how many split screens will to be determined in that department. Um but we will have uh, the Wi Fi up and running. Um 
get the router as close as possible just to you know prevent any outages um with the uh number of games that i'll be have up and running uh, but it should be a fun one looking forward to new year's day always the best day in college football i think um in terms of level competition and just the number of matchups not like you're getting one or two games a day but yeah i mean this is the 18th week we've covered college football next week we'll have one final game that we'll give a pretty in-depth analysis of just given it's the final and only game that we'll be covering um, in the national championship game that'll be the following Monday on the 8th, I believe. Um, but yeah, looking forward to it. Moving on to the penultimate week of the NFL regular season, week 17. Um, like I said, missed the Jets at Browns last night. However, we both did predict the Browns to win. So starting off the week 1-0, uh, we're going to jump right into the Saturday game here. A big NFC matchup for seeding is the Lions at Cowboys. Cowboys coming off a brutal loss to the Dolphins last week on the road in Miami. Lions coming off a win last week in which they clinched the NFC North for the first time in 30 years. So um, two teams very similarly talented in opposite directions right now. Right now, But I think at the end of the day, uh, I think the Cowboys come through and win this one. Um, coming off a down week, I think the Lions clinching the division. Yeah, they want to play for seeding, but at the end of the day, um, they're going to be locked into that third seed. I mean, it's pretty certain at this point, um, unless the Niners were to lose another one, which would be surprising. So you're looking at a third seed for the Lions playing, I guess, whatever team comes in after the Cowboys because the Cowboys pretty much have locked up that five seed um, with the Eagles having the easiest remaining schedule in the NFL. I'm going with the Cowboys to win and cover um, or a win, but the Lions cover. Uh, the Cowboys are fared by five and a half, but I don't think they're going to win by that much. I think it's going to be a three-point game. Uh, it should be a really fun one on Saturday. should get a lot of views on, um, was that the 30th? Not not yeah, a ton of football. Um, a couple big bowl games, but other than that, um, a lot of people should be watching this one. Yeah, Cowboys win, Cowboys cover. I'm with you. Or sorry, Cowboys win, Lions cover. Um, I'm in agreement there with you. Uh, the home game for the Cowboys. Uh, if this was in Detroit, I might pick the Lions just because the Cowboys faltered a lot last week. I think they showed some things on tape that maybe uh, teams haven't seen before or just haven't really exploited, um, especially kind of on the defensive end for them. I think Mike McDaniel. Probably put some stuff on film that any teams are going to reuse, especially Ben Johnson. That said, this game's in Dallas. Dallas plays really, really well at home. I don't think they've lost a home game going back to last season. Um, so I'm going to take the Cowboys to win. Lions to cover, like you said, should be an awesome game Saturday primetime. Um, but they're certainly looking forward to that one. Popcorn matchup here. We're going Lions right tackle Panay Sewell versus Cowboys edge rusher Micah Parsons, two of the premier athletes at their respective positions and, frankly, across the entire NFL. Um, this should be an awesome one. I know Micah. Likes to rush against the best tackle on the team. Uh, the Lions have two really, really good ones. I think Panay is probably a little bit better than Taylor Decker on the left side. But uh, this should be an awesome matchup. Certainly two guys that are, like I said, at the top of their games, top of their positions in the NFL. And should be awesome to just like I said, premier athletes, uh, the best of the best. And uh, should be an absolute war between these two guys in the trenches, whether it be on run plays, pass plays. Um, this is one of my favorite matchups I think we've had all year. Um, certainly one I will. I usually don't always watch for matchups in game sometimes. Especially in college, I won't, but um, maybe not every single play, especially because I'll probably just go back and watch the college tape for draft stuff in the spring. But this is one that I'm I'm going to be watching uh, in-game to see if Micah gets a lot of run at Panay and see how they kind of uh, you know handle each other. And, and she, like I said, it should be an absolute war. These two guys are, are awesome, so looking forward to that one a lot. Yeah, like you said, I mean, I feel like I haven't heard Micah Parsons' name a lot the past few weeks to look for him to get back on track this week against one of the best offensive lines and offenses as a whole. Um, moving on here, Dolphins at Ravens are at noon on Sunday. Ravens coming off um, 
their biggest win of the year in San Francisco um, over the Niners by 14. The fair by three and a half in this one. I think I'm going to go with the Ravens um, being at home. You know, they're back home for the end of the year or for the rest of the year. Um, and they can ensure home field advantage if they won here. I don't know if they're going to win, but I'm, I'm going to go with them. I think three and a half is fairly close. Um, I say they win by six or so. Uh, I think it's going to be a really good game. I don't know what to expect in terms of injuries. Both teams are pretty banged up right now on the injury report. So in terms of who's actually active and who's going to get some actual reps, um, should have a big say in this one. But for now, with what we know, I think I'm going to go with the Ravens in a close one. Going to go with the Ravens to win, uh, Ravens to cover the three-and-a-half-point spread. Again, it's a, it's a tight spread. If it was a little bit wider, I think I'd pick the Dolphins to cover if it was like six or five maybe. But uh, three-and-a-half feels like that's a, that's a spread that Ravens will cover. Um, again, health-wise, kind of waiting to see on both teams, for, especially on the edges, kind of at the defensive back receiver positions. But right now, going with Dolphins receiver Tyreek Hill versus Ravens corner Marlon Humphrey is the popcorn matchup. I'll let Brett kind of expand upon that since – he knows these these matchups the best since it's the Ravens team. So I'll let you uh, give your thoughts on this one, and we'll get to the next game. Yeah, Marlon's been really versatile. Um, obviously missed a few games this year. I think he missed the first four and then missed a couple about a month ago um, with a foot injury and then a calf uh, that he tweaked. So um, he hasn't been in full form this year, but the past few weeks, really especially against San Francisco, he's played great. Um, looking forward to this one. He locked down Tyreek Hill last year. And the Ravens were up 21 with 12 minutes left. And then Marlon went out. Um, Kyle Hamilton was sidelined. And then the Dolphins tied it up and ended up winning it in regulation. Um, so a little revenge game for the Ravens here. And then you look at Tyreek Hill. Um, if he didn't miss a game, he probably is the MVP. Um, he's still, I think he needs like 180 yards each game over his last two to hit uh, that 2,000-yard mark in 16 games since he missed game a couple weeks ago um unfortunate for him in terms of that two two thousand yard um number but i think it should be a really fun one it looks like jalen waddle is going to be out as he missed uh he got hurt in the sunday's game so it's gonna be a quick turnaround for him from a high ankle sprain it looks like uh, for him to play but however should be a fun one there's gonna be lots of good matchups in this one i'm just hoping for a good game um moving on here to patriots at bills another afc matchup um Divisional matchup. If the Bills win out and the Dolphins lose out, then the Bills are divisional champs. If the Dolphins lose this week and the Bills win, next week's matchup between the two will be for the um, AFC East, which, should, which is always fun. Final week of the year, um, likely going to be flexed to a night game. But um, Bills are fared by 13 in this one. It's a lot for me in a divisional matchup that's you know coached by Bill Belichick on one side of the ball. So I'm going with the Bills to win it, uh, but the Patriots to lose by less than 13. Yeah, I'm going with the Bills to win, uh, pass the cover as well. It, the Pats just, they, they play this team well. The Pats play divisional opponents pretty well. They, they've actually played some really competitive games the last couple of weeks. So uh, I'll go with the Pats to, or like I said, the Pats to cover, Bills to win. Um, I'm going with Patriots center David Andrews versus Bills D-tackle at Oliver's. The popcorn matchup this week. Um, David Andrews, vet of the game, been around a long time, won some Super Bowls. He's been in the NFL since 2015, I think, at Oliver. Um, really had a monster game last week against the Chargers. Dominated Jamari Sawyer on the right guard. Um, made a lot of noise and made a lot of problems for them. So uh, certainly a good matchup with what seems like Vets. Now it's weird to call it Oliver a Vet, but he kind of what he is at this point. Um, next one here, Falcons at Bears. Chicago favored by three at home. I think the Bears win. Bears cover. 
Atlanta is on an epic tank right now, and it's far too late for that. They've won six games. They're they're kind of out of the range for Jane Daniels, I think, to be honest, unless you're kind of hoping for the teams in front of you with five with five wins, uh, being the Giants, Chargers, and Titans to win a game, and you can kind of sneak ahead of them with strength of schedule. But um, I really think they're out of the quarterback running to get Jane Daniels, and he's going to end up being a top six pick, probably just given how it looks, how things are going to shake out, the quarterback needy teams where they are, um, yada yada yada. It's obviously very far, very kind of forward looking, but um, I, I think that they're in an interesting spot. I, this is a potential like. Like this is Justin Fields could be auditioning for his future job, right? Like he could be the starting quarterback of the Falcons next year. I think that's a very real possibility for him, um, given the fact that the Bears probably take a quarterback in the first round. So, um, yeah, Bears win, Bears cover. This is a team that wants to win games right now. They have a their their first overall pick is for the most part secured, um, especially with you know the Cardinals looking like they're playing some competitive games. Uh, Pats won another game last week, so. Um, yeah, they don't really care about their draft position. They want to win games. They want to win with this with this core and see kind of what they've got for next year. So, uh, like I said, even the Bears to win, Bears to cover. This feels should Bears. I don't know what the money line is, but Bears minus three feels like a really good bet to me. If I'm going to throw a parlay together, this one. There's another one later I wanted to hit on, but this one feels like a really a really safe bet to me. Yeah, I think this one will be good. Uh, the Bears still have an outside shot of the playoffs. Um, just two weeks with two weeks left, which is kind of crazy. Um, Obviously, a lot has to happen, including them winning out. But I'm going with the Bears to win it, but I think the Falcons are going to keep it close for the most part. I think it's going to come down to the wire, and I think the Bears just win at the end of the day, being the home team. Falcons really haven't been consistent. And, I mean, I don't think the Falcons' offense is going to be able to do enough, but then again, the Bears' offense, we've really only seen play well in a few games this year. So I think it should be fairly low scoring. Popcorn matchup of Falcons wide receiver Drake London versus Bears corner Jalen Johnson. Two guys that are, you know, really solid. Drake's obviously not as solid as he could be in a different offense, but still a really good player for them. And Jalen Johnson's been um, one of the bright spots on that Bears defense all year, um, getting better each season. Um, so it should be a good one there. I think at the end of the day, both teams are playing for something this late in the year with poor records. It's kind of funny, but it should make it interesting um, for the whole game. But um, moving on to a, another AFC matchup that could have some implications here. Uh, Raiders at Colts. The Colts are still playing for that AFC uh, South division title. Fared by three and a half. I'm going with the Colts to win, but the Raiders to cover. I think this one's going to be really close as well. Um, you look at the Colts. I mean, them, the Texans, and Jags all have a shot at the division title two weeks out, which is always fun, like I said. Um I don't know who's going to come away with it, but the Jags still um, have the tiebreaker as of now. So I think they're going to end up holding on. But the Colts have been the Colts have been feisty, man. I mean, with Gardner Minshew playing the whole year pretty much, they still played really well. They still have some talent. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. should return this week. Um, and they, they're they really talented defensively across the board. So this could be a good game. The Raiders have been playing well as well. Um, you know, with Antonio Pierce, they've, they've been solid as of late. So could be a close one that comes down to the wire. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think Colts win uh, Raiders cover, obviously beat the chiefs last week, divisional game though. They, they always play the chiefs pretty tough. It feels like, especially in arrowhead cold weather game. I mean, listen, they didn't complete a pass after the first quarter and they won the game. So it's just, it, that was one of the, it was listen, every quarterback has him. Pat Mahomes had a game, which just he was not good. Very, I mean, very frankly, he just wasn't good. Um, doesn't mean he's a bad quarterback. Doesn't mean he's washed. Doesn't mean Andy Reid's washed. This is just a bad game for them. Um, I think there's clearly some cracks in Kansas City that we are kind of now seeing this year. I think there's a lot of frustration on that offense on the offensive side of the ball. Um, understandably so. I mean, they they've 
essentially stared down receivers to take in the last three years and haven't done it except for Sky Moore, who was a group of five player, undersized, not some sort of freak athlete. And I think that's frustrating for Patrick Mahomes. And I, I don't I don't necessarily disagree with him that he should be frustrated. I think it's tough. Um, I think the way he's displayed it is appropriate. Probably not. But again, I understand the frustration. I understand why they're having it kind of across the board there. Um, this is not really something they've had to deal with. They've not really had to deal with not having, you know, supreme talent at receiver, at pass catcher. And they haven't really had this kind of this kind of adversity to deal with since Pat's been there and everyone's healthy, right? So they've had adversity between, you know, Pat's been hurt. And it's like, well, you know, you can understand like, hey, Pat's hurt, kind of got to make do. But everyone's healthy for the most part on that team. I think they have not kind of had to deal with this kind of adversity before. So, um, but it's, again, more of a Chiefs conversation. But going back to the Raiders, I mean, listen, they played a good game last week. Like you said, Antonio Pierce clearly has something going there. They're playing hard. Defense is playing well. So um, got to respect that. But this is another road game for them. I think the Colts, I mean, listen, they got to win to get into the playoffs. So no one seems to want to win that division, that AFC South. So uh, Colts get, a, again, Malcolm Pittman Jr. probably back this week. Um, Shane Seggins done a great job there. So I think the Colts to win. Colts to, I don't think the, I think the Raiders cover, but I think the Colts win, get a big game up on the uh, on the playoff race here. Um, going with the Raiders receivers versus Colts DBs. Uh, both kind of groups that have been hot lately. Uh, Raiders receivers obviously didn't complete a pass last week after the first quarter, but Raiders receivers have been playing well. Obviously, you got uh, Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, been really solid this year. So, I mean, this is a, a good matchup here of two, so I think, slept on quietly really solid groups, uh, Raiders receivers and Colts DBs. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Kenny Moore has been one of the best slot defenders for the Colts, and then uh, Devontae Adams, like you said, and then they also have Hunter Renfro, who's pretty consistent. Um Looking here, though, at the next matchup, uh, another AFC South team hosting the Carolina Panthers and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jags are favored by six. Going with the Jags to win and cover, I think I don't think it's going to be that close. Panthers offense, Bryce Young's coming off his best game, but still at the end of the day, I think the Jags are going to be too much for the Panthers, especially at home. I think they get back on track this week um, and kind of take a hold of that division, um, win in their final two, I would think. Um, but, I mean, it's crazy because the Jags, you look at the AFC South, and obviously, like I said, Jags, Colts, and Texans between those three teams with the Titans out. If if Nathaniel Dell and C.J. Stroud never got hurt for the Texans, I mean, this is the Texans' division to lose. They're probably up a game um, or two with, you know, just given how the division has played out. And it's crazy enough that we're, you know, there's a three-way tie with two weeks to go. So it should be fun. But I'm going with the Jags here. They have the tiebreaker, and it, I think – Really across the board, they have an easy, easy remaining schedule as well. Yeah, I'm going Jacks to win, Panthers to cover. Um, I know Trevor Lawrence banged up. I, I don't even know if he's going to play this week. No, again, no one really wants to win the division. I think the Jags get the win, though. Um, but I think the Panthers cover. They've shown some signs of life recently. They've played some more competitive football in the last couple of weeks. They've played some tight games. They almost won a game last week. They almost won a game the week before. So uh, give me the Panthers to, Panthers to cover the six points. Um, Jags have faltered a lot. They've been a lot kind of, again, cracks showing there. Um, but then again, I think I think Jaguars ultimately get it done. Uh, popcorn matchup here going with Panthers left tackle, second or third, second, third, yeah, hold on, second year guy? Yeah, second year. Yeah. Um, second year guy, Cam Okwonu at left tackle versus Jags edge rusher Josh Allen. Uh, going with those two, that matchup there. Um, really good matchup for, for Icky. 
Um, guy who's had some success in his second year after kind of a, a rocky first year, kind of finding his footing here and a really good matchup for him again. I'm um, seeing some quality adversaries this year, and here's another one uh, this week with Josh Allen, a chance to kind of prove himself and keep keep working at his craft. And again, you, you get better playing the best talent in the NFL. And so while it's it's you guys, the young guys will struggle, it's, it's the best way to get better. So just ask Trent Williams about how his game against uh, Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney went when he was a rookie. He was like, he said he got cooked, but he's like, it made me a lot better. So this is like an example of that. I'm not saying Icky is Trent Williams, but this is a game where, you, you know, you get a really good edge rusher um, going up against a young guy and get himself better this week. Yeah, for sure. Uh, moving on here, we have the other two AFC South teams and the Titans at the Texans this week. Houston's fair by four and a half. I'm going with the Texans to win and cover. CJ Stroud returns this week at home. Um, it should be good, but I'm really just looking forward to see how um, – Stroud performs versus um, a team that he got hurt against, I believe. Missing a couple games from the concussion should be should be interesting to see how he bounces back. But looking forward to this one. I think the Texans win it at home by five or more. Yeah, I'm gonna go Texans. The Texans to win. I think the Titans cover though. Um, Titans seemingly the last two weeks um, they have been the bane of my existence. They've been up late in games. Uh, looking to win their sixth game, one more than the Chargers for draft position. And um, they, they have given away two leads in the line in the fourth quarter in the last couple of weeks, um, both of them due to terrible defensive back play, um, giving up just ridiculous DPIs and um, illegal contacts and all that stuff. So um, I think they I think they covered the four points. I think the Texans win, though, getting getting CJ back. Uh, popcorn matchup this week. It was a great matchup the first time they went the first go around a couple weeks ago. Uh, D-Hop. Versus uh, Derek Stingley Jr., uh, another second-year guy. So actually, I mean, he's having a phenomenal second year. I know he got hurt. He goes a little bit banged up his rookie year. Um, didn't have maybe the year that people would have expected from a third overall pick at corner. But he's had an awesome second year. Been really, really ball productive. Teams have been trying him, and he's he's making them pay. So um, Derek's having a really, really good year. Obviously, he's always probably going to be in the shadow of Sauce, given that their draft classmates pick back-to-back. He was taken before Sauce. But um, he's quietly had a really, really, really good second year. Um, which is a huge development for the Texans. And then obviously Diop going against his former team. Um, so he's still got some juice. I don't know if he's obviously not the, you know, top two receiver in the NFL that he once was with them, but he's definitely still got some juice and it should be a great matchup here of a, like I said, a vet of the game versus, versus a, a you know, young guy, second year guy. And uh, who's having a really, really, really good second year. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that one. I think. Oh, you said D hop return to Houston um, should be a fun one. Hopefully, hopefully uh, Texans come out on top. I want, you know, I want there to be chaos atop the AFC South, but uh, we'll see if it actually happens. Moving on to uh, Rams at Giants. NFC matchup. Um, the Rams still pushing for a playoff spot, fair by five and a half. I think the Rams, um, I think I'm going to go with them to win and cover, uh, win by six or more. Um, going on the road is tough across the country, um, but they've played well on the road this year, and I think, at the end of the day, the way their offense is structured, the way they, you know, kind of play football is good um, no matter where you are. And I think when you have McVay and his offense and him as a head coach, they've they've been really solid and overperformed um, in terms of what their roster has. So um, should be a fun one. Another one that should be close. Um, not too many, you know, big spreads this week. The Rams always seem to have a game where, especially the last the last year or two, where they should win. They've looked really good the last couple of weeks. They should win, and they don't. Um, it's And this is a game that I think lines up for me for that. I think this Giants team has been really, really feisty. I mean, shoot, they gave the Eagles an awesome game, 
I think they're looking to win games. I think Brian Dable really, really wants to get this this team some wins and this fan base some wins. So um, the Giants get a, get an upset win here at home. Um, it's a cold. What's going to be? Dude, it's going to be freezing cold. It's going to be cold, snowing. Matthew Stafford has never played in those conditions for the most part. He's a Georgia kid, born and raised in Dallas, Texas. Went to Georgia, played in Detroit, but they play in a dome. And he now is in L.A. where they also play in a dome. So. This is going to be a tough one for him. He's an older guy. Older quarterbacks tend to have not great games in, in cold weather like this when they don't pr- predominantly play in cold weather. Um, curious to see how Stafford's arm and shoulder hold up in this in this cold weather. I'm not saying he won't prepare well. This just kind of feels like a trap game for the Rams. It's a must-win game. I know they've got an awesome coach, but I think Brian Dable does not get enough credit for, for being an elite coach in this league. What he does with this Giants team, how they have five wins beats me. That That is beyond me. They're terrible. Um, that roster's awful. The, the team isn't very good. They made it to the playoffs last year with Daniel Jones at quarterback. I mean, this team, credit to Brian Dable, man. I mean, he's he's awesome. He's done a really, really good job. Um, credit to the Giants for getting him in the building and hiring him. Um, I think they got an upset win this week. I think they forced some turnovers. I think the offense plays a little bit of bully ball, ball control. I think they get, a, I think they get an upset win this week. Um, popcorn matchup. We're going with Rams receivers Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. Versus Giants rookie defensive back Deontay Banks. Um, he's had a solid rookie year. Obviously, Cooper Cups, you know, one of the best in the league. Um, a vet, a route savant, if you will. Um, obviously, Puka Nakua having a really, really good rookie year. We'll talk a lot about him. Um, really good player. Some luck involved in it going to that system, going to that program, and going to that system and being in that situation. But obviously, he's had individually a lot to do with his own success, obviously. And um, credit to him. I mean, he stepped up huge for the Rams when they needed him. And he's continued to step up big week week after week with kind of Cooper Cup still kind of having that nagging hamstring injury. But here's see Deontay Banks. He can get a matchup against a fellow rookie having a great year. And then obviously, like I said, the vet of the game in Cooper Cup. So another young guy getting a vet and then kind of throwing a rookie in there since corners see a lot of different a lot of different receivers from game to game. So I'm um, looking for this one this week. Yeah, for sure. I think this one's going to be fun as well. Um, Deontay Banks, one of those rookie corners. You know, we're talking about a few rookie corners this week. So still got a couple uh, coming up. But, yeah, Deontay's played well. I think, you know, in that wing Martindale system that's, you know, blitz heavy, I think that's helped him in terms of, um, you know, how long you're having to cover your guy. He's been really good in man this year across the board. Um, He's followed some guys. He stayed on one side of the field sometimes. So it really just depends. But he's been solid. Uh, Look for him to have a good game. and be on one of these guys every snap so uh good matchup there moving on to an nfc matchup here cardinals at eagles eagles are fared by 12 our biggest spread thus far on the slate um i'm going with the eagles to win and cover they've looked really bad recently but i mean the cardinals have been pretty bad themselves and i think uh the eagles just get a big win here at home this is a bounce back game against the cardinals team like i said bottom five team um no reason not to win this one big and kind of get some momentum heading into the playoffs as Probably the two seed, maybe the three seed. We'll see how that goes. Um, but I am going to go with the Eagles to win big here, probably by you know 17 or something like that. And then popcorn matchup, Cardinals receiver Marquise Brown versus Eagles corners Darius Slay and James Bradbury. Uh, not really a whole lot matchup-wise individually in this game to point out, um, but I just thought this one, you know, Marquise in his fifth year versus you know Bradbury and Slay, who've been really solid the past few years, especially playing together. So. I think, um, you know, if Marquise has a big game, that can keep it close. And, you know, if they kind of take him out, I think this is going to be a blowout. So that'll be a telling matchup of how the game goes, but not a whole lot to this one. Yeah, I'm going with uh, 
I'm with you. Eagles win. It's a get right game, no question. Um, I do think the Eagles, or the, the the two birds here, the Cardinals cover. Um, my brain is all out of whack, dude. Today, I'm, got a lot going on. Got some family here. Totally out of whack right now. But um, the Cardinals, the correct bird here. The Cardinals cover. I think um, Jonathan Gannon gives a little bit of a get back game. Um, they have struggled without him defensively. That's very clear this year. Um, I think they. I think. The, I mean, listen. The Cardinals have played. They seem to score late a lot. They seem to score some garbage time points. They seem to be a team that looks to cover. Obviously, not looks to cover, but they usually will cover. Um, I, I think they cover the. I mean, it's twelve points, right? It's it's a pretty big spread. So I think the or the Eagles win. Cardinals cover the twelve point spread. Um, like you said, Marquise versus these two vet DBs. Um, again, interesting matchup. It's certainly two guys who don't have a lot of speed, long speed anymore, versus a guy with tons of long speed and juice. So. Um, kind of a weakness versus strength matchup, if you will, for those Eagles DBs versus Marquise Brown. So certainly going to be an interesting one there. Next one here, Saints at Bucks. Tampa Bay favored by two and a half. This was the game I was talking about earlier. I wanted to mention Bucks Bucks money line slash Bucks minus two and a half feels like free money. I mean that feels like free money. The Bucks team they look really good right now. They appear to be playing really good ball. They're kind of again they're they're crest they're peaking at the right time. Don't know if they're going to beat the AFC East team that's kind of the odd man out and gets the wild card. But the Saints are doing the opposite. The Saints have been trending down massively the last few weeks. So, man, give me – I mean, like I said, this is free money to me. Give me the Bucks to win and cover the two and a half. And at home in Tampa, come on, that, that seems easy to me. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at this and the Bucks really are in position for a playoff spot, which is crazy. Uh, you know, like I said, we have two weeks left and there's seven playoff spots still open. Should be a close one here, divisional matchup like we normally have these final two weeks. Um, going with the Bucks to win and cover as well. Uh, win by more than three. The Saints have been really up and down. The Bucks have looked really good, especially offensively as of late. Um, I think this one's going to be won and lost in the trenches as it normally is. Um, you know, the Saints, IOL, Cesar Ruiz, and Eric McCoy been there for a while. Going against Bucks defensive tackles, Vita Vey and Kalaja Kansi. A couple young guys. Um, you know, Kalaja came in as a rookie. Been up and down. Um but nonetheless, you know, a weaker IDL class across the board last year or in 2023. And I think uh is going to come into his own, and I think he's even coming to his own within this season. Um, so I think that was a good pick for the Buccaneers. And I think overall um, this should be a really good matchup to watch up the middle, um, you know, kind of determine the run game, see how efficiently the Saints can move the ball on the ground. Um, should have a big say in that one. Next one we have uh, 49ers at Commanders. Chase Young's return out east um, to Washington or Landover, Maryland, technically. Um, the Niners are fair by 12 and a half. Coming off a loss, I think they're going to win this one big. Um, you know, across the across the country trip, uh, don't think that's going to have a ton of impact on this one, just with the discrepancy in talent level. Um, you, you talk about, you know, the commanders in terms of what they've done this year, and I think it's about what everyone expected. Uh, Jacoby Brissett's going to be starting this week with Sam Howell being benched, so that's going to be interesting as well in terms of his first start of the season, I believe, um, going against a Niners team that's going to be a little banged up, but should be mainly good to go heading into this game. I don't think it's going to be that close. 49ers should win by 14-plus. Um, so, yeah, look for a big margin of victory in this one and uh, should be over in the first half. Yeah, I unfortunately... Like you said, maybe not a uh, a super close game here, which again not not necessarily I wouldn't say to be expected, but 
not necessarily a game that you it's happened sometimes late in the season. You get a team like the Commanders who's very clearly and obviously tanking versus a team like the 49ers who, despite the loss last week, are one of the best teams in the NFL. You kind of get this sometimes. So, um, yeah, Niners win, Niners cover. I think they're going to roll. Um, popcorn matchup, wide receiver, 49ers wide receiver Brandon Ayuk versus Commanders corner Emmanuel Forbes. Obviously, Ayuk is a guy who um, I think maybe an underrated aspect of his game might be the best downfield blocking receiver in the NFL. This dude demolishes DBs downfield. Um, he's, I mean, you see, there's a ton of Christian McCaffrey long runs where you see Ayuk is hauling ass downfield and lighting somebody up or trying to drive or drive a DB down the field or get a critical block for him. So, um, I think I sent, I think I sent Brett a text because I was watching some of the top receivers last week and I was like, man, like Malik Neighbors, Marvin Harrison Jr., Roman Nunez, those guys block downfield really well. Like. Leak neighbors, you wouldn't think about it because he's maybe a little bit of a slender frame, 6'1". That guy blocks downfield. Like, he's hauling to block downfield for Jen Daniels, Brian Thomas Jr. So, and I texted him and said, man, like, all these guys who are successful NFL college receivers that translate well to the NFL, they block. And I think Brandon Ayuk's a great example of that. A guy who didn't start a career very well as a receiver, but he blocked his tail off, which you have to do in this offense with this many playmakers. He, I think he, again, he might be the best blocking receiver in the NFL. I'm going up against the rookie corner, Emmanuel Forbes, who this was the maybe the, the maybe the second pick after the Jack Campbell one on draft night where I looked at Brett and I was like, like WTF, like what just happened when he got picked over uh, Christian Gonzalez. And um, Forbes really struggled early on. He's had a couple of nice games kind of in the back half of the year. Um, this is a matchup that he's going to have to be physical and it's not his strong suit. So we're going to see how he does this week. Obviously, it's a, it's a huge test for him. Super wiry framed guy. Uh, super thin. I think he's like buck 80, buck 70, maybe, maybe even lighter than that. So um, certainly going to be an interesting matchup for him, but again, a good challenge for a young guy and see if he can take on again, maybe the most physical receiver in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, I think this should be an interesting one. If, you know, if I used not getting a ton of targets, which could be a, you know, smart play for them just to take Forbes out of the game outside of Forbes. They really don't even have any promising guys in the back end there. Um, you know, some good players, but no one that's going to, I think, put a halt to the 49ers offensive, you know, what they're going to do offensively. And I think um, in terms of the matchup, yeah, I mean, we said a few weeks ago, Ayuk and Debo Samuel both block really, really well, and it works. I mean, even out of the backfield, Christian McCaffrey is a pretty solid blocker and, uh, you know, opens up opportunities for everyone else. Kittle's always been looked at as a really good blocking tight end. I mean, and they have a good offensive line. So everyone on the roster but the quarterback blocks. And that frees up, you know, the 10 guys that don't have the ball in their hands to find a guy and allow for the guy with the ball in his hands to get downfield. And that's what works so well for them is they have the personnel to back the scheme and how they go about moving the ball. And they move it, you know, at a pretty good clip across the board. And I think Emmanuel Forbes, I think he weighed in at the combine at like 166. He's probably about 170, 175 or so. Uh, but still, you know, really small. Ayuk's one of the bigger guys out wide. And I think the matchup itself, if Ayuk's running routes, I think it could be good just in terms of how they match up, you know, strength-wise. But if it's if it's not going to him and he's blocking, it's going to be a favorable matchup for Brandon. I think uh, it could be a long day for Forbes if, you know, Ayuk's not getting a ton of targets. The more targets Ayuk gets, I think the better day Forbes can have just with how ball productive he is, uh, the potential he has to stay, with, stay in the route and uh, – you know, make the right reads on the ball. So um, look for that matchup in that one. But like we said, don't think it'll be that close. Four games left. Um, 
Steelers at Seahawks. Again, we don't see too often. Steelers traveling out west to the Pacific Northwest. Um, Seahawks facing the AFC North this year. Tough task for them. Um, fared by three and a half at home. I'm going with the Seahawks to win and cover. The Steelers just haven't looked great for the whole year, really. Uh, the games they've won have just been off like final play, like last minute touchdowns or um, just like playing bad teams, but they really haven't had like a great win, I don't think. Um, they've had some issues in the locker room who, that looked better last week, but that's because, you know, George Pickens got the ball. But um, when he doesn't get the ball, he's going to go right back to being same old self, um, you know, not really putting much effort into the game. But at the end of the day, um, I think this one could be close for a while. This is a game that the Steelers would play close, and this is a game that the Seahawks would lose. A team that was reeling before their Drew Locke Monday Night Football comeback win um, against the Eagles, they've they've looked pretty poor. Uh, they started out 5-2, and two, and then they haven't been great since fighting for a playoff spot right now. Looks like they should be a wild card team, but we just still don't know yet. Um, but look for this one to be close. Seahawks win, Seahawks cover. Uh, I do think it'll be close just because, again, Mike Tomlin's the coach. He seems to keep games pretty close. Um, I like the George Pickens versus Witherspoon matchup. Again, Pickens went off last week. It was like, what, four for 180 or something like that. Um, so, again, the, guy, the guy's got crazy potential. That was kind of always the narrative about him at Georgia. A lot of potential. Kind of was some off-the-field question marks. Maybe not off the field, but just kind of attitude question marks. You know, you know. Right before a you know playoff game, conference championship game, gets into a fight against Georgia Tech in a game that wasn't close. Like you can't do that. And he's a freshman, but like you can't do that. So um, stuff like that. Again, you see the not blocking for his teammates. His teammates really not sticking up for him either. So um, interesting, kind of a, a weird deal there, especially for a Mike Tomlin coach team. Um, very weird kind of dynamic. Even when AB was there and Le'Veon Bell, there's really not a lot of drama like this. But um, again, I think. Uh, Good matchup here. Again, Pickens, tons of talent. Witherspoon, tons of talent. Had an awesome rookie year. So I think he hit that one pretty pretty head, pretty head, square, nail on the head. Um, next game here, Bengals at Chiefs. Chiefs get a win here at home. I think they bounce back, but I think the Bengals do cover, despite kind of not looking great last week. Um, but I think they do cover, and uh, Chiefs can find kind of – I don't want to say a get-right game because it's going to be a tough one because Zach Taylor – Runs a great runs a great program and uh, up there in Cincinnati and does a does an awesome job getting these guys ready to go every week. But um, I do think uh, the Chiefs end up getting a win here. Yeah, me too. At home again this week. Um, you know, the Chiefs obviously having to travel helps the Chiefs' chances as well. Uh, get an extra day. I think. I think the Chiefs are just in a position to get back on track here. Like you said, uh, I think they win, but I think the Bengals cover rematch of the past couple AFC Championship games which each team won one. Um, I think the Bengals and Chiefs, I mean, everyone knows they both underperformed this year. Bengals obviously dealing with some injuries. Chiefs just dealing with some lack of personnel and, uh, you know, maturity within that locker room. I think there's a real lack of leadership in that Chiefs locker room, surprisingly enough. Um, but they can still get it turned around. They can still make a run. Um, even at six losses, they can't have home field, but um, are going to have a home wild card game, presumably. Um they should probably probably be the fourth seed, if I had to think. Um, just looking at it right now, obviously a lot can change, but this should be a good one. Bengals wide receiver Jamar Chase um, had some words a few days ago about the Chiefs defense and kind of what they do against the Bengals to try to take Jamar out of the game. Um, and he mainly just said, Legereus Sneed, the Chiefs corner, who's been pretty solid, is their only defensive player that anyone should worry about. 
And that's going to be the guy that's going to be lined up across from Jamar for most of this week. Um, so look for Jamar or T. Higgins to have a good game. I think Jamar versus Jerry Sneed should be a really good one to watch across the board in terms of individual matchups lined right across the line from each other. Um, should be a good one with Jake Browning at quarterback, obviously. Um, Jamar is not going to have the same stat line for the most part that he would with Burrow, but uh, I think still be close. Like I said, both teams have underperformed, and I think you know it would be close if they performed to expectations, but they both underperformed pretty equally to where uh, I think it's still going to be a close one, still going to come down to the wire, but should be a one-score game, and I'm still going to give it to the Chiefs at home. Yeah, like I said, with you there, I think the Chiefs get right this week. Uh, Jamar Chase, LeJarius Sneed. I'd say Trent McDuffie can be thrown in there as well. As like if he goes into the slot, I know Jamar moves around a lot. So, obviously, he didn't mention, didn't mention Trent McDuffie, but he's been solid for them this year. Next one here, Chargers at Broncos. Denver favored by three and a half at home. Um, going with Jared Stidham this week. They are benching Russ, which signals that Russ is done in Denver. He was being, He's going to be cut this offseason. He's done. Um, interesting move there for a team that is technically still in the playoff hunt. So, um, certainly a weird move there. Um, I think the Broncos do win. They're at home. They're in Denver. The Chargers have not won in Denver, I don't think, since Keenan Allen's rookie year in 2013. So, um, there's that for you. Uh, I think, again, Broncos get the win. Chargers, just not a game they're going to win. It's in Denver, even with Justin Herbert. I don't know if I pick him because it's in Denver. So, um, and they do think the Chargers cover, though. Should be a tight game. Um, popcorn matchup this week. Going with the Chargers, Ed Rushers, edge rushers, Khalil Mack, and Tuli Tui Pelotu, the rookie at USC versus Broncos left tackle Garrett Bowles. Uh, Bowles has been one of the better left tackles in the NFL the last few years. Um, certainly a guy who's really come on in the last couple of years, had a you know second contract, blah, blah, blah. Um, versus, again, uh, future first bout Hall of Famer, Khalil Mack, and a guy in Tuli Tui Pelotu has had an awesome rookie year. You know, I've talked about him a bunch on this podcast. Will Anderson – Easily the best edge rusher this year, but I'd say Tulu has easily been the second best rookie edge rusher this year in the class. Um, he's had an awesome year, really productive inside, outside, um, a lot of versatility from him. Really, really, really good run defender. So um, looking for a good one. We're getting two good matchups between the, both of those guys versus Garrett Bowles, who probably sees one of them every single play. So I'm looking for Khalil to have a couple more sacks, uh, maybe push that sack lead this year. But overall, I think just a, a fun trenches matchup this week, and certainly one I'll, I'll, if I even watch the game. Certainly one I'll be watching uh, on the edge there for that. Yeah, no, no, I think that's a really good individual matchup in terms of one-on-one, pretty much every snap. Garrett Bowles, one of the, you know, lesser talked about, it seems like, but one of the better offensive tackles we have in this league um, for the Broncos, who are, are the only team in I don't know how long to have the same five starting offensive linemen start each of the first 16 games of the year, it looks like, which is crazy. Um, you hardly ever see that nowadays. And then the Chargers with a couple guys, uh, like you said, Tooley with a really good rookie year, and then Khalil having a breakout year, uh, career year. This late in his career is always big, um, you know, pushing that sack lead, like you said, up there at the top. Um, but, yeah, Chargers in Denver, I think I'm going to take the Broncos to win, but I think it'll be a three-point game or something like that uh, with Stidham starting and Russ sitting, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure he's still won the Broncos to come out on top for draft position, but uh, – but at the end of the day, I think it's going to be close just with how many injuries we've had, how many guys have gotten benched. Uh, this one sh- should be interesting coming down to the wire, honestly. Um, moving on here to the final matchup of the week. Um, it's a great one. I mean, huge playoff implications in the NFC North with the Packers going to Minnesota to play the Vikings. The Vikings are favored by one. I'm going with the Packers to win on the road, get a huge win, and help their playoff chances greatly while almost eliminating the Vikings, I believe. 
Um, like I said, seven spots still up for grabs across the NFL, which is crazy with, you know, two weeks left. I'll go with the Packers to win. Jordan Love has had a solid rookie year, um, or first year starting. Basically um, a rookie year. If, he, right. listen, if he's in the NBA, this is a rookie year in the NBA. Right, Let's exactly. Be very clear. This is an NBA rookie season for him. The Chet Holmgren um, rookie year yes. here that uh, for Jordan Love. But, I mean, he's he's been solid. 26 touchdowns, I believe. Um, 12 picks um, and, like, 3,600 pass yards. So, uh, I know a lot of people have talked about him for a few weeks here, and then he has a down week. But he's he's been good for them. I think he's I think he's uh, the answer for them, at least short term, in the next few years. Stick with him. See what you got and build around him. Um, future's bright, I think, in Green Bay. I think – um, obviously the post Aaron Rodgers era was always going to be tough finding that third great quarterback in a row is always going to be a tall task, but I think, um, Jordan Love has a shot to be that. I don't, I'm not going to say he's going to be, or that he's not going to be, but he has a, definitely has a shot, especially with how he's played this year. But, uh, I think they ride with them next year, year after see what they got, but they looked good overall. The Vikings on the other side, Jordan Addison's had a great rookie year, obviously, um, another guy similar to Puka Nakua where the scheme and the offense and those weapons around him definitely helps. But uh, been solid, um, you know, in a room that really hasn't had great running back production this year. Alexander Madison's had a down year. Um, Ty Chandler has been solid, um, you know, kind of spelling Madison in terms of reps and stuff. So uh, I think this is going to be a close one. But at the end of the day, I'm going with the Packers to win, like I said, um, helping their playoff chances. Yeah, I'm with you. Packers win. Packers cover the one point. Um, Vikings are starting Jaron Hall this week, rookie quarterback out of BYU. Don't know if that's going to go super well. I know no Jair Alexander for maybe the weirdest one-game suspension I've ever seen in my life. Um, Jair is a team captain, I believe, like an actual team captain, I think. Um, even if he's not, he's a Pro Bowl guy, all-pro player, been around the block. Had a feel. I have a feeling he could have at least you know, gone to Matt LaFleur like, hey, coach, Matter if I be a captain this week, I'm you know born and raised in Charlotte. Was not proactive, then chose to name himself a, a captain for the game, and then almost royally screw up the coin toss. So I don't know what Jair is thinking. Not not very professional move from him. I'll just leave it at that. Um, beyond beyond mind boggling to me. I I don't understand, but Jair. Jerry's been a guy who's been like, there's been like flashes of this, like, hey man, like, what are you doing? What, like, what? <laughs> like, just, just mind-numbing moments from him sometimes. So, I guess add this to the list. Um, popcorn matchup here with Rashawn Gary, edge rusher from Green Bay versus the uh, Vikings left tackle Christian Darius. Was a fun one, I think. Uh, Christian Darius has arguably been one of the best left tackles in football the last two years. He's been awesome. Really, like really a clean tape out of, out of Virginia Tech two years ago, three years ago now. God, that's that's crazy. Three years ago. I remember I remember I watched like every West every Virginia Tech game like four times in 2021 sitting in the dorms because I didn't think Slater would get there to us at 13. So that's ah, got to be Darisaw. Dude, I, I've never watched one player so much. You do. You remember you turn around. I'm sitting there watching Chris and Darisaw for the fourth time against Duke or, you know, whatever on YouTube um, sitting there in the dorms. So um, certainly a guy that I not a charger, but I do hold. uh very near and dear to my heart as a guy that I watched a lot of and has been really successful. So um, certainly, again, one of those guys that I've actually followed after scouting as a, as a, as a rookie prospect. So trying to do more of that, obviously. But uh, Rashawn Gary has been awesome, man. He's he's really been 
especially last year's crazy numbers last year. Really solid edge for the Packers against, again, elite left tackle. So um, it should be an awesome trenches matchup and um, wraps, up our, our, wraps up our NFL picks. We're getting out of the wire on who's gonna, on who's going to come out with the uh, the better the better prediction record. I will say, like, we both need to start hitting some picks because currently we're failing. We're below 70. We gotta get that. We gotta get that number above 70 on the total prediction number, but uh, on the total prediction percentage. But uh, yeah, man, should be interesting. Kind of see how these games play this week. A lot of I'll be watching for draft implications. So let's go, Big Blue. Tighten up. Uh, I think we are pulling. We're pulling for the Colts for the shoe, and then uh, who day this week? Pulling for the Bengals. Big, big, big games for us this week in the, for the Chargers. So uh, like I said, go Big Blue. Tighten up. Who day and, and for the shoe this week. So let, let's ride. And who dat too. Yeah. Oh yeah. I guess we do need the Saints there. to win. Yeah. Yeah. We need the Saints to win too. Who dat? Yeah. We'll go, we'll go with who dat, who day, all that stuff, man. What? Hey, who, whatever, as long as it helps the Chargers draft position. All right. Who, whatever. I'm not sure <laughs> what the commanders is, but you can add that one. Yeah. I mean, but, the uh, commanders getting a win would be great. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what theirs is. Right. But, uh, but yeah, a loaded week, a lot of close spreads. Should be a fun one across the board. Obviously, a great college week as well. So just tons of games pretty much whenever you turn on the TV. Should be good. Um, New Year's Eve, only NFL. Um, no college games, unfortunately. New Year's Day is going to be all college. So NFL week will wrap up on Sunday. We have no Monday Night Football this week um, because we'll have the college games going on on New Year's Day. Um, so stay tuned for that. I know it's going to be a lot of fun You know, tuning into all of those. But yeah, thank you all for tuning in this week um, to Thursday Turf Talk episode 18. We will have uh, the regular episode next week either come out on the second or the third. We'll see. Um, and then we'll have a Thursday Turf Talk uh, episode 19 where we'll cover the final week of the NFL and the final college football game in the national championship. Um, so, yeah, we'll see you all next week uh, for Cold Seat Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Follow us on Instagram and X at Cold Seat Podcast, and we'll see you soon. See you guys next week.